Hey everybody, Josh Harrison, World Alternative Media here, and we are joined by Tim Pachot, the Liberty Advisor, and we got some crazy news, something that we've been predicting for quite some time, but as a Zero Hedge article says, mortgage delinquencies soar to decade high. What we are witnessing in the United States right now, as well as the rest of the world, but mainly in the United States, um, with, with mortgage delinquencies, people deferring on their mortgages, people not being able to pay rent, the amount of people that are held back from homelessness just by a moratorium, which again, isn't helping the you know landlords that much because the landlords are dealing with massive amounts of debt and they can't pay off their homes and obviously we saw bubbles across the United States over the last several years get propped up more and more and more a lot of manipulation involved there as well it's all coming to fruition right now um, with the COVID lockdowns which are really just government lockdowns that have led to absolute uh, catalyst for this economic uh, destruction that we're witnessing across the board. We're gonna get into this and much more today, but first make sure to hit the like button, share on social media to get around the shadow banning, check those links below. We have many things that you can do to help keep independent media alive like join our newsletter at www.imband.com. Also, we are completely viewer funded, so make sure to check out GoFundMe, Patreon, Subscribestar. We cannot do it without you folks. You can also pledge on float.app. And speaking of float.app, F-L-O-T-E dot A-P-P, we are leaving YouTube on November 5th, only posting trailers on YouTube to our full videos on the other sites after that point. So make sure to join us on the alternative independent social medias like float.app, BitChute, Library, and Minds as as well as if you want to become a client of Tim Pichot, who is, of course, a certified financial planner, you can go to www.thelibertyadvisor.com. Anyway, let's get into this news out of Zero Hedge. As I mentioned, mortgage delinquencies soar to decade high. As the article goes into, readers may recall last week we outlined the dam of pent-up mortgage delinquencies continue to crack, with the share of delinquent Federal Housing Administration's loans hitting a record high in the second quarter. With millions of Americans out of work due to the virus-induced recession, their personal income has become overly reliant on Trump stimulus checks, as we've outlined. A quarter of all personal income now comes from the government. That's a nightmare that we've been warning about for so many years here at World Alternative Media. You can see this chart here, which is nothing less than a hockey stick. Um, going forward here in the article, as it says, the, fisc the fiscal cliff hit the economy on August 1st, uh, when the program to distribute stimulus checks of to tens of millions of broke Americans ran out of funds. Even though President Trump signed an executive order to fund additional rounds of checks, only one state as of August 21st has paid out new jobless benefits and paused evictions as stimulus talks in Washington have failed to materialize into a deal. Leading up to the fiscal cliff in July, financial data firm Black Knight reported the number of serious mortgage delinquencies catapulted to a 10-year high. Um, the number of homes with mortgage payments past due by 90 days or more rose by 376,000 in July to a total of 2.25 million. Serious mortgage delinquencies have uh, jumped by 1.8 million since July 2019, a decade high not seen since the last financial crisis. And we have some interesting charts there that are microscopic, if you could actually see those. But nonetheless, um, with people talking about, uh, well, I mean, the, the fact 
of the matter is 28 million Americans facing homelessness if the moratoriums end. That is nine out of 100, so almost one in 10 people homeless, which of course won't be allowed to happen. In my opinion, what they will do is the banks will take over the homes, the governments will take the homes from the banks, this is just in my opinion, and then they'll give out free housing and then 10% of all homes in the United States will be owned by the government, which then that's communism. <laughs> and just like how the government's giving all these loans to small businesses and in places like Britain, they're saying that they're just going to take over um, the debt and, and take over equity in the company for the debt that they cannot afford to pay back, which is fascism. So we have an interesting mix of the Chinese style communism and fascism mixed together, um, a very interesting combination of collectivism. And with, with the delinquencies that we're facing, at the same time, we have articles like this out of Zero Hedge. There's too much product. Miami has 30 months of unsold condos after COVID ravages its economy. And as this article goes into, Miami is seeing a massive surge in supply in its condo market as COVID continues to have profound economic effects in South Florida, according to a new report from The Real Deal. The market now has a glut of 30 months worth of unsold condos and 100 months worth of luxury units, units over $1 million, according to an analysis of multiple listing service data by Condo Vultures Realty. The data is X pre-construction sales and consists of the area between Edgewater and Brickell east of I-95. The condo data is based on 711 sales that closed in the first six months of this year, which averages out to about 119 sales per month. As of this week, there are still 3,579 condo listings awaiting suitors in Miami. The average asking price is about $758,000, which contrasts sh sharply with the average closing price of $511,000 this year. The luxury market is in even worse shape than the condo market. Only 36 units sold in the first six months of the year. There are about 600 luxury condos on the market asking an average of $2.05 million. Uh, 26 sales are pending. And of course, Miami it was a bubble to begin with, and the pricing in Miami for condos was ridiculous. And I remember being there a couple of years ago when Pharrell Williams bought the, the his uh, condo at the Porsche building, where they they have an elevator that gives you a free Porsche and a yacht with your listing, and and you have an elevator where you drive your car in, and you go up 40 stories in the elevator with your Porsche and park it in your living room. I mean, that that's peak bubble in my opinion. But Tim, let's talk about this. We're reaching that record. Um, uh, mortgage delinquency um, decade highs here. What, what do you think is going on and how is this going to affect people? Well, I don't think that that's too surprising. The more surprising thing, and maybe we can try to find an article on this, is that you also saw, I believe in June, you had a record spike in, in home prices where homes are going up. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute here. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is obviously government induced. You had talked about, you know, communism and fascism. Uh, I don't know if that's appropriate because it's Republican gov uh, communism and fascism this time, right after Trump had mentioned something about uh, we're never going to be a socialist country. We're going to be a Republican socialist country. But, uh, you know, there's been such an effort to keep home prices high, to keep financial prices high. And who does that hurt the most? It hurts poor people the most and it hurts you know millennials the most. And the reason for that is, you know, if you are poor, you are a millennial, uh, you know, which you know it means you're probably poor, you know, more because you're young. Uh, but more likely than anything is imagine if rates, if government and the Fed didn't interfere in rates, then what you would see is you'd see rates would be a hell of a lot higher than we are than they are now. And then that means less people could afford homes. And that means that the home prices would actually crater let's say homes I'm saying in this world where the Fed wasn't causing all these problems let's say the home prices are down 80% now if you're poor or you're millennial now it would take 
80% less money to then buy, get your debt first down payment, to afford a home, then to rent out that home. But by keeping rates uh, low, that then induces home prices to be high, then what you're basically just creating, it's, it's basically it's like a, almost like a subsidy for the baby boom generation who has most of their wealth tied up in homes. And then there is this wealth effect where if people you know feel wealthier, then they're going to spend more money. And so, you know, again, all these problems caused by the government. And then we see, you know, uh, you know, this massive, uh, you know, wave of, uh, of delinquencies. And even like last year, March 2019, I remember giving a speech at Anarch Arizona. And, you know, at that point, the uh, it was, I believe it was a record high for Americans that were 90 days were more delinquent on their auto purchases or on, on their cars, car loans. And so, you know, what do people usually pay for? They're going to pay for, you know, their home, their auto and their cell phone bill and, and food or basically, I mean, I guess you're reporting at food stamps, but, you know, out of those three, those are three things that are pretty biggies. People want to have their phone. They're going to want to have, uh, you know, a place to live. It's just, you know, Maslow's hierarchies of needs here. And it's just, it's just very unfortunate to see what the government is doing to make things, you know, more and more and more worse. But then the, the more confounding thing of all this is how you're having housing prices go up because what people are thinking is like, okay, well, maybe I'll lose my job. And if I'm going to lose my job, then I want to go cash into my current home. Or if more people are losing their jobs, maybe they think housing prices will go down. So that, actually, they're probably not thinking that. But what they're thinking is, you know, while the rates are low, you know, I need to go, you know, take the equity from my home before it goes and move into a, a better home because they're only being sold on a payment. They're not really being sold on anything else. Uh, no offense to the mortgage brokers I know, but there's probably only about two of them that I think actually know anything about, you know, inflation in the economy and how things work and the Federal Reserve and cryptocurrencies and central banking. I mean, all these, all these people are basically clueless. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, in the process with an ex-wife to buy a home. And then I'm like, well, what's going to, and as this pandemic is going on, I'm like, well, our pandemic is going on. I'm like, uh, you know, what's, what happens if the house isn't appraised? Like, oh, we're very good at making sure houses and appraised. I'm like, well, I don't want it to be, like, I don't want it to be at this inflated level. Like, I, and, and it's just like, they're completely clueless. And even in the middle of March, I remember the guy over at Polte was saying, oh, there's no problems at all and things are great. And then like two days later, the stock price was down 60%. But, you know, it's just, it's just you know, it also reminds me of the big short for those of you who have seen it, where, you know, the realtors driving around is like, you know, we're just in a little gully. We're in a little gully. Well, we're, I don't really think we're at that point right now because it's a little bit different dynamic right now. A lot of the homes now are actually bought, owned by a lot of these big investment firms, whereas in 2008, that wasn't necessarily the case. And actually here in in, uh, in, in Phoenix, it more topped out in 2006. Uh, you were over there in Vegas where uh, you know that topped out in about 2006 or 2007 as well, and just yeah, well, it fell from like an average. It was crazy. It fell from an average of $205,000 per home to around $65,000 per home, which is a, just an epic drop in. It's just unbelievable. The people lost their shirts left and right. Um, and we're seeing the return of a interesting um, dynamic, which is also kind of strange because uh, you mentioned Las Vegas and Las Vegas is actually one of the cheaper big cities in the country to get a home now. And it isn't as inflated and bubbled up as a lot of the markets around the country, like L.A. or Miami, as I mentioned earlier, or Dallas or New York, you know, and you could go on Seattle. It goes on and on and on. But um, obviously this is going to affect most well, pretty much every big city in the United States when this really does pop because it's really been pushed off and manipulated dramatically to put it to the the, the level where it's so inflated. Um, but I mean, how, how do you think this is going to affect the average person? Obviously, all these people are facing imminent homelessness. I mean, it's just it's it's tragic to watch what this is actually doing to the average person here. Not people that are in any way interested in the markets, just your average 
you know, family of, of four or five or whatever that are suddenly one day they think they're doing great. The next day they're like there's bank runs and there's bail ins and there's uh, they're getting kicked out of their home. And they're they're I just I what do you think? Yeah, and the thing is, we're not like making fun of anyone's homeless. I mean, Josh is like sort of technically homeless right now, and like sort I'm of literally staying, sort of staying with me. I mean, I uh, had to leave my house at 17 years old, so I know you know how a lot of this stuff feels, and it's not great. Uh, had the government in 2018 uh, not approve paperwork to do what I'm doing now because I was speaking on cryptocurrencies and uh, basically didn't made no money in 2018. So yeah, I know how much this sucks, and especially when it comes at the hands of the government. But you know that instead of you know having me get down on myself, I decided that you know hey, I'm just going to speak out even more. Against these guys and still be successful, but you know the average person that's out there right now, uh, you know it's just very sad to see that that this is that a lot of times they're probably going to vote themselves, you know, more of the same to get themselves into the same problem that got them that not that they necessarily got themselves into that problem, but the government got themselves into that problem. For the, but you know, the, but politically, I mean, how are they going to allow all these people to uh, you know be out of homes? That would be a political suicide. So, so as you mentioned before, there's probably gonna be some sort of you know plan, and that plan is going to probably involve you know having some sort of moratorium. On just the other day, we saw student loans where you know they're saying that now you don't need to pay back your student loans up until I think somewhere in 2021. And oh yeah, even while you're not paying it, it's going to count towards this 10-year deal of if you did pay it, uh, because if you're in certain jobs and they actually after 10 years uh, relinquish your student loans and actually they, they just forgive them all. And so I thought that was pretty stunning. But you know. It, for me, it's like if you're going to have this, you know, communism or fascism or whatever system you're having, it'd be so much, there's so many better ways to do things. Like how about instead of quarantining every single person in the world or certainly in the country, why don't you, it would have been cheaper to take every person that was vulnerable and basically, you know, hire them, you know, hire people to do like DoorDash for them or, you know, bring all the old people, you know, their food and have some sort of massive, not that I'm advocating massive government programs, but that'd be a lot less of a massive program than, the, than everything that's going on now. Right. Well, but of course they want their power, they want their control and they like people being in poverty and, and begging for help because it makes them dependent and that's exactly where the government and the and banks bank, want them. And it was a bank robbery so that way the Federal Reserve were the ones who could come in now buy up all the bonds that it was basically the largest wealth transfer in U.S. history with BlackRock being the facilitating agent on that and it's you know this because then you couldn't allow to have this whole you know bank robbery scheme that's going on it just you know it really it really pisses me off to see like how mismanaged everything is and then now you know we got you know Joe Biden want to go around sniffing people who thinks that he's gonna, you know, somehow come up with a better plan to go solve everything? And uh, yeah, it, well, it's just people looking back at politics. Politicians are people who created the problem in the first place to fix the problem. It's a Hegelian dialectic of problem, reaction, solution, repeat, uh, over and over again. Uh, we are running out of time here. Um, I did want to ask a little bit about Airbnb because obviously Airbnb is um, everyone. No one's everyone's deferring on their mortgages. There's no tourism, but Jim Cramer says Airbnb IPO. I think it'll be a steal. And the Mad Money host explains. While the coronavirus pandemic has created conditions for the uh, home rental company to thrive, which is hilarious to me because obviously in a roundabout sort of way, sure, if everyone's homeless, maybe more people might use Airbnb, but then the people that are running the Airbnbs are homeless. It just makes no sense. We got four minutes left on the card here. So can you explain this quickly before we wrap it up? Yeah, well, I think it, it will be a steal. It'll be a steal for the Airbnb uh, angel investors stealing your money. That you know, maybe, maybe that's what maybe that's what they mean. But I don't think that's what he means. Uh, but you know, relative to what it probably could have priced, at, who knows? With this wacky environment, what it could have priced in a year ago. But now, uh, you know, I, I think he says all things relative. Obviously, now it's not uh, you know a great time to be an Airbnb uh, you know stakeholder and having you know running them out, or if you're the running the, the company, or if you already lost your job as part of Airbnb. But you know, and I believe even the CEO made comments recently. Saying, 
saying that air, that travel has forever irrevocably changed, or at least it's going to be a change a lot in the near term. And I would not want to be, you know, an, an Airbnb IPO investor. This is not, uh, you know, financial advice. And if there's some hyperinflation, maybe it does go up a lot. It's just whether or not it keeps up with things in real terms. And uh, yeah, it will be a steal, but it just depends who is doing the stealing. Uh, we'll, de we'll definitely get back to you guys on this more in the future. Um, we're running out of time here, but I do have to point out that Airbnb being um, uh, dependent on the tourism industry and the tourism industry collapsing makes the idea of Airbnb being a steal ridiculous, absurd. And when I was in Mexico, I was I was getting a place for, through Airbnb on the monthly basis. I was $1,600 a month. I was getting it for $400 a month because they're desperate for anyone to take uh, the Airbnb off their hand and make a couple dollars in profit off of it. So obviously not a good move in my opinion going forward. If you want to become a client of Tim Pachotes, check out the links below for thelibertyadvisor.com. Um, he is a certified financial planner again, and um, we will continue to update you on this story. As we have been talking about this issue for years, we warned about it, and all it took was a major catalyst like this to blow the bubble, and obviously we are going to witness that down the road. So be careful, be wary, and be independent, uh, folks. As always, hit that like button, check those links below, um, GoFundMe patrons, subscribe to our, we are completely viewer funded, so make sure to check that out as well as join our newsletter at www.imband.com. Share this on social media to get around the shadow banning, and of course we have our Cointree address below where you can send in cryptocurrency or um, our Bitcoin address below as well. And of course, um, we are on Float.app, BitChute, Library, and Minds. We're growing real fast on there. I just broke 4,000 followers on Float.app, F-L-O-T-E.app, and a ton of huge names are on there now. So make sure to go there as we will not be making videos on YouTube after November 5th, only posting trailers to the full videos on those websites. Again, go to thelibertyadvisor.com if you want to become a client of Tim's. And I appreciate you going in, into this with us, Tim. Obviously, there's a lot more to go into, and we will continue to update you on this as we are witnessing the craziest time in known human history. So uh, let's keep keep trying to get ahead of the curve, be independent, live by example, live free, and don't fall for the tricks of the bankers and the government establishment that want you on your knees at heel, begging for help, being dependent, and um, basically getting taken advantage of the, by these organized criminals that call themselves governments, politicians, bankers. Anyway, I appreciate you going into this with us, Tim. And until next time, this is Josh Sirickson and Tim Pachot signing out from World Alternative Media. Find the truth, be the change.